Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, it is time to get the family back together so we could talk about F9, the latest in the Fast and Furious series. And joining me, as he promised he would, it's Joe Black. He has been on the show a bunch in the past. I'm sure you've heard an episode with him at some point. And he is a major fan of these movies and has been saying that he wanted to be on whatever the next one would be. And honestly, other than Hobbs and Shaw, I haven't gotten a chance to cover any other Fast and Furious movies. Uh, so I am very happy to finally be covering a official main series entry uh, of this crazy, ridiculous, over-the-top series. Because I love these movies, even though this one... Not so good, but we'll get into that in the conversation. Before we do get to it, uh, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can, of course, also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. Uh, also, don't forget, if you enjoy what you hear on the show, make sure to share it with your friends. But also, you can go rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. We really appreciate all of the feedback and also, you know, all those stars. They help, apparently. So do that. Uh, that would be awesome if you did that. But just listening makes you the best. And thank you so much for listening. So let's get into this conversation. It's a long one. We got a lot of stuff to say about this movie. So uh, we also rank the Fast and Furious movies at the end of the conversation. So we got a lot to get into. So let's get to it. Let's talk about F9. All right, Joe Black is back with us today. It's uh, it hasn't been that long since the last time we got you on for Godzilla vs. Kong, and now you're back for this this uh, gigantic spectacle that we're going to be talking about today. Joe, how's it going? I'm doing okay. I'm trying not to earn a reputation as your non-comic book summer blockbuster guy. So, <laughs> the last movie I'm on here for that had a budget of 200 million or over. No more. No more. Of that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, these movies did save cinema, so that that's uh, that's important to note at the top of this uh, conversation. But we're, this is going to be a little all over the place. I mean, regardless of whether or not F9, 
colon the fast saga if that's what we're going with as the title uh is is a good movie or not um and we'll get into our thoughts on that along the way even if this was amazing best in the series this still would have been a weird episode i think because it's the ninth in a series and i mean really 10th if you count the spinoff and that makes it kind of its own thing that's a little bit different i think from any other episode we've done right right yeah i mean you say you say uh Tenth, if you count the spinoff, I could also argue that it's only the eighth if you count Tokyo Drift as a spinoff, which I think they regret. True. You know what I mean? True. Like, because they're doing two more, you know, 10 and 11, theoretically. And I assume mm-hmm. that's only to, like, make, like, the saga of the team itself a complete idea. Yeah. But that's okay. I mean, honestly, Fate of the Furious was almost the perfect ending to the series. So anything after this, this is, is like, true. A, almost like the coda. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Coda of the Furious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll get into some puzzle pieces. We discussed ahead of time for everyone listening at home that uh, we're, we're also going to do a quick uh, ranking of the series uh, since we've gotten to this point here. Uh, and also just kind of talk about a little bit of what worked and what didn't. Like I said, this is going to be a weird episode. I only have a few actual pieces, but I've got a lot of notes and a lot of thoughts. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. I think let's start it off, though, just because it's what we're here to do. Let's talk puzzle pieces first, and then we'll get to our ranking later. And uh, along the way, just all the other thoughts that we have. So let's start off with puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first puzzle piece for F9? Okay, my first puzzle piece has been the Disney Star Wars movies. Okay. Because when those first popped up, they were nothing but fan service and unnecessary mm-hmm. backstory. Like the sure. like like the first the first uh Force Awakens, still in my opinion, the worst movie of the whole Star Wars universe, um, mm-hmm. was nothing but callbacks and references and fan service you know what i mean like yeah um it was it it was damage control but like in the most like insulting way and then you got rogue one which was like better you know what i mean it was it was a handsome Mm -hmm. movie it was a very well-made movie but it was still just kind of like yeah i know like this doesn't change anything this doesn't do anything for the saga and one thing about the fast and the furious movies that i've loved so much is that they keep, God, what a horrible pun. They keep reinventing the wheel. Like, they really do. Like, like they don't, um, you know, like, everybody talks about what a huge shift 5 was from the franchise, but it's, but it's like, not really. Like, not really. because yeah, like, every single one of them has been a huge shift along the way. Right. I mean, you look at 1 and 2, and it's like night and day, and then you look at 3, yeah. and it, you know, is its own thing. Four again, like like it, it, they're all different. Five and six are the only two really that are pretty similar. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. feel like companion pieces, but like yeah. they just keep like going deeper and creating a bigger universe and 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 not just like bigger, more ridiculous things, but enriching what we're experiencing. You know, and yeah. this is the first one where it's just like remember Shea Wiggum, and then most mm-hmm. of the audience is like no. You know, uh, remember Lucas Black from the third one, which is only supposed to be a couple years ago, but he looks 20 years older and sick. Yeah, there he is. You know, um, and and even the whole thing of them uh, going to space, it's like that's been the joke for like five years now. 
You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's nothing but fan service and, and no offense to fans, but we're idiots. We don't know what we want. That's why we go to right. movies, you know? Sure. And, uh, I will say though, that the one thing that works in this movie, the one thing actually is them going to space. Oh yeah. Like that's the one thing in the movie that I was like, that's really nice. <laughs> like, yeah. like I, I yeah. like where they took that, you know? Um, Everything else, just dud after dud after dud after dud, uh, story-wise. But it was also smart that it was those two characters who go to space because I that agree. just keeps it. It keeps it as fun as it needs to be. It, it, you know, Vin going to space would just be. It would be too stupid. You know, I mean, right. and there's, a, there's a lot of stupid in the movie, but it would just be too stupid. Yeah, no, no. You have to have the two like most ridiculous characters be the ones who actually attempt it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Tej yeah. makes a lot of sense because he's the rocket. He's the Donatello. You, you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. But Roman, Roman is the only one dumb enough <laughs> to be like, I could pilot a, a space Pontiac. You know? Um, yeah. After after screaming about what the hell are we doing for the, for like five <laughs> minutes, and he's just like, I'm in, I'm in, done. Yeah, do you it. know. And and having him do that after facing his fears in seven, you know, that's a cute little throwback. You know what I mean? I'm getting yeah. yanked out of the out of the airplane. But but for, sure. for, sure. for a movie that like just you know, I remember seeing the trailer for this a year ago and I was like, holy shit, Dom has a brother. Holy shit, they're bringing Han back. How are they gonna make those things work? And the answer is they don't. Like they don't work. Right. <laughs> like and, and yeah. they don't do anything. Han comes yeah. back, that's all. He doesn't do anything. Jacob is sure. Dom's brother. That's all, you know, um, mm-hmm. and he's poorly acted. But, uh, <laughs> but them going to space was like the one thing. And, and, and I think that's kind of cool. I think that it's kind of mm-hmm. cool that Justin Lin, uh, that's the one thing that kind of, even though it's fan service, it's the one thing that's like the most least ridiculous thing that they do in this movie. And there's also <laughs> right, like, right. there is kind of a beautiful moment where you see Earth in their helmets in a way, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he takes it totally serious, which is, and it's that sincerity that made the franchise what it was. So for like yeah, a little yeah. half blip, two and a half hours into the movie, like I was like, oh, there's still a pulse. Yeah, so. there's still something here for sure. Well, uh, I, I'm going to take your Star Wars uh, puzzle piece and uh, jump right on top of that because I have a Star Wars puzzle piece myself here. I'm going to go with Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, the most mm-hmm. recent one specifically the moment in the movie where Chewie dies and then it's revealed that he's actually on the other transport and he didn't <sighs> die, which is awful, awful, you know, but it, it proves that there's absolutely no stakes in any of this. And right. I think that that's the biggest problem with this entry in the film is that they have entered that territory of, you know, not, none of this matters. You know, we're just mm-hmm. going to, we're just going to make these movies uh, we'll do whatever the hell we want with them and don't get too invested in any of it because we could just change it at any moment and nothing nothing really matters that you're seeing on the screen at any any given time. You know, aside from that, also, since we are talking about Star Wars, uh, I did have fun with this movie. I mean, it's mm-hmm. lower tier when we get to the, uh, the rankings later. Uh, but I will say possibly the worst scene in the entire franchise, maybe any blockbuster action movie is charlie's theron giving those star wars insults um all for the all for that button at the end with yeah oh no pun intended um yes (laughs) uh, all for that button at the end which the button itself is kind of cute but like the guy Mm -hmm. just like it's like he names every popular star wars thing in five seconds and it's just like 
I don't know. I don't even believe that guy's seen Star Wars. I don't know. Right? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. <laughs> yeah. The most unbelievable thing in the Fast and Furious 9 is that that guy has seen Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, to that whole no stakes thing, it, that's what happens when all you're obviously trying to do is please fans, right? Right, like, right. Like, when Michelle Rodriguez, when they showed her picture at the end of F5, like, uh, okay, I do need to say that I've been a fan of this franchise from minute one. I had, mm-hmm. I, I, me and my buddies saw the first one. It was a game changer. Nobody wanted to see the second one with me because it didn't have Dom. I was like, fuck it. I loved it. <laughs> then three, I convinced one buddy of mine to go see it. You know what I mean? Like I've been there from, from minute one, true and true. So when Michelle Rodriguez's yeah. picture gets laid down at the end of five, I leapt out of my seat. You know right. and I was like? Yes, bring Letty back. And Han... Uh, you know, in three, Han, people people have a bit of rose-colored lenses for three, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. some people claim it their favorite. I'm like, eh, you're remembering it wrong. But, like, Han is the best thing about it. And Han became one of the best characters, you know? Right. So, like, bringing him back, you know, like, I get the incentive to do it. But it yeah. doesn't, it's a disservice, in a way, to the character. You know what right. I mean? Like, Han was Han was, like, that changed everything for them, losing Han. Even Giselle dying. It's like, yeah, well, you know, whatever. She came on once. <laughs> but like Han, Han was a big fucking deal. Like, um, yeah. and to lose him meant something. And bringing him back, you know, they all say justice for Han. And the only reason I could think of needing justice is to justify the fact that they made Shaw a good guy. You know, mm-hmm. like I can just picture Justin Lin sitting there watching Eight and being like, come on, he killed my boy. You know, like. Right, right. So, like, I get that, but, like, I, you know, uh, I mean, and he doesn't do anything. I don't remember if Chewbacca does anything when he comes back. That's a good question. I, I don't recall him actually doing anything important, but, I mean, he's there at the end, and that's all anybody really wanted. He gets so. the medal. Yeah. He gets the medal <laughs> randomly. Like, not even in an actual ceremony. They didn't even put in the effort to give an actual ceremony where he could get a fucking medal. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, that's the big problem with this movie, too, is, I mean, I, I do want to give it a slight kind of, like, well, Justin Lin was coming back and needed to get his feet wet again. You mm. know what I mean? It's This movie's just as slight as fucking Tokyo Drift was. You, you right. know? And I do want to say, I've seen it twice now. The first time, I was ready to write it off as, like, Hobbs and Shaw awful. But mm-hmm. but watching it uh, the other night uh, on the actual release night was it was fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fine, fine's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually I actually give a movie a pass as long as we all can agree that like it fucked up. You know what I mean? Like I remember like when Die Hard Five came out, everybody was talking shit about it. I'm like, why? I mean, we all know it sucks. There's nothing to yeah. say. You know, so like nobody who even the people who liked Rise of Skywalker are like defending it. Yeah. You know, like there was horsies on a spaceship, you know, like that's cool. <laughs> you know, same thing with this. It's like, you know, they do the George of the Jungle thing. That's cool. There's a lot of moments in this movie I really did enjoy, but uh mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just a mess though. But uh let let's yeah. let's get on to some more puzzle pieces. Yes, uh and we'll get sorry. into some of these other things along the way. But what do you got for your next piece? I, my next piece is the worst of the James Bond franchise, in my opinion, Spectre. Okay. And I know that's saying a lot because there are some really bad James Bond movies. But mm. Spectre is kind of an offensive one in a way. Um, so after Skyfall, I mean, they kind of really, I, you know, when Daniel Craig came on board, 
they tried to shift into a more serious actiony kind of Jason Bourne type Bond movie. It was like yeah. a huge shift. And um, in my opinion, they were moderately successful. I know everybody went apeshit for it, but mm. they were moderately successful. Um, and then after Skyfall, where they literally whittled James Bond down to the bare bones and turned it into like grown up home alone at the end. Like it was, <laughs> we're in a whole different franchise at this point, you know, mm-hmm. then Spectre comes along and Spectre kind of tries to be both a Roger Moore, James Bond movie and the new Daniel Craig ones like simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And I felt that a little bit with F nine where it was like, where, you know, after six, it really got ridiculous. Sure. Like to me, seven is a little too much in, in the insane direction. And I feel like eight is arguably the most insane, but all the pieces fit perfectly. Like right. in comparing this to the James Bond franchise, I would say that eight is like the spy who loved me, like the mm-hmm. best of the Roger Moore ones. You know what I right. mean? Um, this one though, kind of tries to like course correct to back to like the five, six kind of territory. Sure. And, in doing so, I think kind of, you know, hurts itself because you can't course correct by taking a step backwards. Mm-hmm. And that's what this movie did. You know, it's a step backwards in a lot of ways. Like, it's been the thing for the last few movies. Hey, let's reveal a new, you know, interesting actor to throw in. With five, you've got The Rock. And then you've got, you know, uh, 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 in seven, you've got, like, uh, Jason Statham. Then eight, you've got Charlize Theron and Helen Mirren. In this one, you've got... John Cena? John Cena. Like face plant. Just mm-hmm. just a dud. Just a dud, dud, dud. And it seems like they know that too, based on the ending. Like it seems like they were just like, Let, let's just have him drive off because uh that's the best we got. Well, yeah, but I mean like like they knew that when they fucking released the original trailer, which is <laughs> right. another thing I want to get into that my biggest problem with the whole movie is actually the trailer. Yeah, because from a story standpoint, you got nothing. You got nothing worth selling us on. It, mm. As as much as people like to give these movies shit, six, you've got Letty coming back. Oh man, that's like that's a big deal, right? You sure. know what I mean. In seven, you've got the revenge. You know, breaking the team apart, and you open it up to like them becoming like actual super spies, right? In eight, you've got Dom has turned evil, and he works against the team for the sake of his son. Like, there's things going on. There are reasons for these movies to exist. This one, yeah. there's none. Mm. And much like Spectre, what's his name being his brother, much like Blofeld being James Bond's kind of brother, it's like, that doesn't yeah. matter. Who gives a yeah. shit? And at least Spectre had the balls to keep Blofeld a, a, his nemesis. Yeah. You know, if you're going to bring in evil Dom that we've never met before, like, he has to stay the arch enemy. At mm-hmm. the end, you can't pull the same card that you pulled with Michelle Rodriguez without her memory, Jason Statham, The Rock, even. You can't pull this card again. Yeah. You know, even Vin Diesel himself in eight. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Eight. Dude, <laughs> I saw eight again in a theater on Monday. Mm-hmm. And like, it was in the shittiest theater that AMC could offer with terrible projection. And I've only, I just watched it a month ago. And it, dude, nine has nothing on eight. Yeah. Like, like nothing. It does not improve in any way except cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, much like Spectre, the only thing worth a shit in this movie is that it is a gorgeous looking movie. Yeah. But I feel like that's a detachment. I feel like he's not really interested anymore in a way in what's going on. He just wants to have fun. 
mm. which is also a death rattle for a franchise, <laughs> much like Spectre. But again, at least Spectre had the audacity to like not give away everything in the trailer. You know what I mean? They didn't give away that it was Blofeld even. They didn't give away that it was his brother. They, you know, And they don't give away all the best action set pieces like this right. trailer did. Right. I might have enjoyed F9 the first time a little bit, despite the terrible story, if I didn't know they were going to swing from the fucking bridge, if I didn't know that they were going to have magnet cars, if I didn't know that they were going to go to space, all you know. Yeah. But they gave me all of it in the trailer. Yeah, every single, every single beat. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I completely agree with you about that trailer. It's, uh, it, it just, it gave all the important things, and none of. You know, anything other than this is a Fast and Furious movie for you to actually want to see it. So yeah. it like, doesn't even work as a trailer to begin with. But, right. The movie uh, has no yeah. story and doesn't change anything for the crew, right? So like all you're, you have at that point is spectacle that you mm-hmm. can enjoy about it. And they knew that and they got worried and they gave away all the spectacle as well. Yeah. Well, to your uh, original puzzle piece, I don't like Spectre either. But Skyfall is great, though. So. Skyfall, I like the second half of Skyfall, which I know a lot of James Bond people don't like, you know, but that's fine. I mean, I'm the asshole who my favorite James Bond movie is licensed to kill, you know, <laughs> we, um, so, but, but Spectre, it's funny, Spectre, from a story standpoint, is written better, but mm-hmm. still is a worse movie than F9. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you it, it really is like F9 just makes so many like obvious mistakes that it, it, it just, it's confusing. Like even doing the flashbacks, which nobody wanted. We came to see Fast and the Furious uh, with Vin Diesel as Dom. Not is that Vin Diesel's son or something? Like whoever played young Dom, garbage. Yeah, ter- I, I actually joked on uh, on Twitter that uh, F nine is the only movie in history that would have benefited from de aging CGI. Like, I agree. It, it would have worked well, so much better. Like, like to the, my Star Wars Disney piece, you know, nobody wanted to go see somebody other than Harrison Ford play Han Solo. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you can't just like spring that shit on me at yeah. the beginning of the new F9. I have to prepare myself for a, <laughs> a non-Vin Diesel Dom. Yeah. But, but even having Jacob be the one who was going to beat the dude to death with the wrench, you know, we all know that story, right? Like the Dom beat the kid, beat the guy to death with the, oh, well, almost to death. He's now a high school janitor mm-hmm. with the wrench. We all know that story. But like having Jacob take that wrench first, you're like, oh shit. Like, does that change it all along? That Dom stopped Jacob and did it. You know what I mean? Or something. No. No. He stopped Jacob, but then he just got mad later and did it himself. And it's like, well, that's stupid. Yeah. You had an opportunity to change how I saw the franchise. And now, <laughs> you know, and, and you just didn't do it. So the backstory I- stuff is just the worst. It's just the worst parts of this movie. Um, I remembered it being much more in the movie. The, like when I saw it the first time, I was telling people afterwards, like a third of its flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And my buddy who was also there that night that I saw it was like, it's not a third. And I'm like, yes, it is. And then I saw it again. I'm like, oh, he's right. It's like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with a third. I, I agree yeah, with the original. It. <laughs> uh, yeah. It takes up a third of my hatred. How's that? <laughs> Well, I'll go to another piece here, and I am going to go with the Sharknado sequels, because this movie 100% understands what we all 
Maybe not you, Joe, because you you <laughs> dig deep here. But, but what most of us uh, laugh about with this series, what you know, what we all are little jokes, and you know, all of the things that it's come to be known for, and it just goes directly for that without mm-hmm. um, you know any reason for any of those jokes, any uh, any you know consideration for what that means for the overall story. And honestly, it kind of hurts watching it because I can't imagine Vin Diesel is happy about that. I, I, you know, I just can't imagine like he's got this, this huge series. It really is like one of the most successful series of all time, which is completely insane because it's such a ridiculous uh, set of movies, but you know, he's got to have a little bit of pride in that. And the fact that they're now just kind of digging into uh, fan theories and fan inside jokes and things like that. And using that for the basis of where to go with it. Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine he likes that. Yeah, I mean, like that. I mean, I, I, I don't want to. You know, he seemed uh, happy with himself. I, I, I should say <laughs> that I went to, um, I went to a screening of it a week before it came out, a fans only screening that I invited David to, but he wouldn't take you, the four you hour. You did trip. invite me, and thank and, you for that, Joe. Well, I'll tell you, you missed out on. I've been to. I live in L.A. I've been to a lot of these events. It was by far the worst, most horribly organized event I've ever been to, mm-hmm. and they had us waiting in this like in the sun like in the middle of the day at the city walk no shade in these little like in like a cattle herd of sorts and like vin diesel and crew were like late showing up so we were out there for an extra like 45 minutes and and dude the mc she obviously had never seen any fast and the furious movie so like she's trying to mc this whole thing she's like how many f9 fans we got out there and everyone's cheering and i'm just like we haven't seen it yet you know and, you know, and then she calls out like the actors. She's like, welcome, Jordana Webster. And I was like, ooh, 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 <laughs> and she kept like introducing Vin Diesel. And from where I was standing, I could see the stage hand off to the side, just like, you know, crossing his neck, like, keep, keep going. He's not here. He's not here. Like she kept introducing him. Yeah. And when he finally came out, he's like, this is for you guys. And he did like the heart shape with his hands a little bit. And then that was it. Mm. And that's when I knew that it, we were in for nothing. Yeah. Like when I knew that this was nothing but fan service, this movie, you know, and um, I tried to chalk up the movie sucking to my experience that day, but no, it just, a lot more went wrong that day, but that movie just, no, it stinks. But like you said, it's just fan service and that's the, not just a bad thing to do in general as a creator, but it's also the antithesis of what made this franchise what it is. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like surprising us, twists, enriching, deepening, you know, like that's what this franchise actually does every time it comes out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is the first time where it felt like, oh, we need a new one, you know? Right. Um, happens to everything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, do you have any other puzzle pieces? I have one more. I mean, I have. Uh, is it Chad who does like the mini pieces that he does? Yeah, he'll, like, he'll always like because he always comes to these things with like 20, 30 pieces. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Um, I mean, I had a couple like that. Like, I had like, um, like the candy bar wrappers, which that joke got me both times. The candy bar wrappers in the space Pontiac. Yeah, yeah. That I'd forgotten it the second time and it made me laugh. And that, you know, that made me think of The Simpsons with the chips. Okay, when Homer opens yeah, yeah. the chips in space. And then like you've got like the bridge sequence um reminded me of this really wonderful film Sorcerer. Have you ever seen that film? No, I've never seen that. Have you heard of it? I think so. 
it's your, your boys tangerine dream did the score for yes it. yes um, yes yeah it's um it's a william friedkin movie from really, the 70s that's what i thought yeah there's this sequence involving a truck that has to go across this bridge that is collapsing in the middle of a horrible storm mm. and you know 10 years before i even saw the movie you, you know film people you know about the bridge scene in sorcerer it's like right. a thing and usually like that kind of thing. By the time you see it, you're like, that's what they were talking about. You know what I mean? Mm. Like the chase scene in Bullet. You know, you've heard about it your whole life. If you ever see it, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess. But this scene, when I finally saw the bridge scene in Sorcerer, I was like, holy shit. You know, like, holy cannoli. And if they had not shown it to me 75 times in the trailer, the bridge scene in this, both beats of it, them driving along the bridge as it's collapsing, followed by the George of the Jungle vine swing, would have been so dope. But yeah, but the only legit piece that I had left was Pulp Fiction. Okay, well, I, w- I want to hear this. But yeah, um, there's a running thread in this movie where Roman, at the beginning of the film, when they're in their first mission, he is in a hole, and he literally gets surrounded by like 15 guys with machine guns, and he has one machine gun, and he's able to take them all out. Yeah, and which is followed by a brilliant sequence where we think that Roman's about to land on a landmine. And again, if I didn't know that they were going to fucking space, I genuinely would have been on the edge of my seat like, oh my God, are they about to kill off Roman? Right, Like, right. are we about to lose him? And, but because I've seen the trailer, I know that that's not the case. But, so Roman, after that happens, starts to question, like, is there something, like, divine about us? Like, right. it, like are we invincible? Are, much like Jules in Pulp Fiction. And Roman actually has this kind of existential arc. Where he like, you know what I mean? Like much like the transformation that Jules has. And at the end of yes. the film, Roman becomes the voice of reason even to Tej yeah. when they're going to space, much like, you know, Jules in Pulp Fiction. And, you know, I will say that this, like the eighth one, it's nice to see Roman actually have something to do um, in these mm-hmm. movies because usually he's just the wisecracker. But I will say if the best thing about your Fast and the Furious movie is Roman... You really <laughs> fucked up. And, and he definitely is the best thing about this movie. So, Well, I'm so glad you brought Pulp Fiction up then because I think that's what I was trying to think of. I was trying to think of a movie where someone is like, you know, I can't die. It's the only explanation. And I think that that's it. Yeah. I mean, that- yeah. It, it's, it, I almost thought of Surf Ninjas, kind of, because Rob <laughs> Schneider's character has that whole thing where he's like, what if, you know, like... This happens, and it always does, so he thinks he has that magic power, and he's protected because of it. I almost thought of Surf Ninjas. I changed my answer to Surf Ninjas. You can have Pulp Fiction. (laughs) I'll I'll take Pulp Fiction. You take Surf Ninjas. I like it. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, I'll throw in a couple mini ones like that, too. Uh, The Roman Intelligence Space reminded me of the end of Independence Day. Um, Mm. The two of them just kind of, you know. Totally, I got to give me one of these. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they, they, they should die by all means, and they have no yeah. idea what they're doing, but they survive, of course. Uh, yeah. And then, lastly, the whole you know glowing magnetic MacGuffin, two pieces, and the key needed is just essentially every single recent superhero movie. They all have multiple parts that all need to be oh. plugged together in some you know crazy just, thing like that. Just pathetic pathetic across the board (laughs) you know and here's the thing since six each fast and the furious movie has had the same macguffin plot 
Yeah. Super villain wants the thing to control the world's military or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, like that's the that's the the goal every movie. And you want to know mm-hmm. something? I didn't notice until this one. <laughs> like, <Right>. like, <laughs> like, like, you know, that's the movie's biggest sin is that this is the first one where I start going, "Oh, come on!" You're right. You know what I mean? Like, like even even the big swing. The big swinging car rope thing was awesome. But then when they hit the fucking side of the cliff and roll, I'm like, come on. Like, right. y- you've got me questioning the logic of these movies now. Man, you really fucked up. Yeah, the fact that they were able to keep you before, but now, I know. It's, now it's a problem. For yeah. 20 years. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they do all sorts of little callbacks to the others too, but like the stuff that didn't make sense in those either, like when Letty gets hit in the air at the beginning on her motorcycle and she flies and Vin Diesel catches her with the car. I'm like, that doesn't work. That was fantastic. But again, it's in the trailer. So right. Exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, Han coming back again, he does nothing except have some weird adopted daughter. I'm like, you're playing that card too. And she does nothing either. (laughs) But like, so if you're not going to do anything with them, then all you've got is the reveal and you put the reveal in the trailer. Like, yeah, if you didn't know, that he was coming back, wouldn't you have like lost your mind? Sure. Wouldn't you have been like, oh my God? Yeah. Like, and at least you would have had the high of that, but they don't even let you have that high. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's so weird. They're like, we have nothing, so give them everything to get them there. And it's like, <laughs> what a stupid <laughs> yes. philosophy. Well, let's do the finished puzzle here. We'll get into some closing thoughts and we'll get to our rankings. Uh, but finished puzzle includes basically the Star Wars saga, and we talked a bunch about Rise of Skywalker. Disney Star Wars saga. Yes, that's true. Specifically, yeah. the Disney uh, trilogy. So Spectre, Sharknado, Simpsons, Sorcerer, Pulp Fiction, Independence Day. What a just mishmash of puzzle pieces. Uh, <laughs> surf Ninjas. Oh, of course, Surf Ninjas. How could I forget? How could you I'm forget? Sorry. I got a lot I'm of sorry, S's on mine this time. Simpsons, Surf Ninjas, Spectre, Star Wars. Holy that's, that's Sorcerer. Exciting. What the hell happened? What I, got is one going P, on here? I had one P in there and I gave it to you. Um, Amazing. That's funny. <laughs> well, are, are there any like main points within this movie that you wanted to get to that we didn't quite get to with the puzzle pieces? I guess my main point that I would like to make just in general is mm-hmm. um, they did things that like you talked about fan service. Like, Mm -hmm. but actually it's a huge disservice because there's, there's a, there's a weird, people have a strong reaction to these movies, to not liking these movies. And these are mostly the people who either haven't seen them and, or are, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, jealous of the fact that they don't understand them. Like, sure. This is not something like they try to write this franchise off all the time. Like with like, oh, it's so ridiculous that could never happen. Oh, like Vin Diesel can't act. Oh, blah 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 blah. Like that whole thing, like with where he said Fellini esque, and everybody is making fun of him. But right, like, right. actually, folks, Vin Diesel can act. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like these are the same people like who were saying Stallone couldn't act back in the eighties, and now talk about how he was a genius and nobody appreciated mm-hmm. it. It's the same shit. But right. what makes what sets this franchise apart? is the fact that it actually does have something to offer every time it comes mm-hmm. out. And what it's rooted in is not its spectacle. What it's rooted in is how much you love these characters. And the yeah. reason you love these characters is their commitment to the base 
moral values of of like traditional America. You know, mm. most of these characters are immigrants. Most of, they believe in family. They are they mm. are religious family. Each one ends with prayer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they pay their respects to the dead every time. Much to like this was the one time where I'm like, you gotta just let Brian not be in him. He's just gotta not be talked about. I w- I will say that not like having an actor like was a strange amount of restraint for this movie. Like you know, sure. that's fair. <laughs> Seriously, that's that's fair. But 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 again, like like these are that's why people love these films. And honestly, the Marvel franchise doesn't have that. It never mm-hmm. did. Most of the Marvel characters, aside from Captain America, are all selfish pricks who make stupid yeah. decisions. Uh, the Star Wars franchise, the the Disney one, that doesn't have that shit in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can't name any other franchise that has the same values and perspective as these films. And the reason why The Rock was actually not good for the franchise was because after the sixth one, he was just playing The Rock, mm-hmm. and that's not what these movies are about. It's not about a persona. Vin Diesel, when he was talking to The Rock about his performances and that thing, he's talking about the sincerity at which you play it. Mm. You are not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You are Hobbs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and that's the difference. Like, you look at Vin Diesel as an actor, look at him in eight. There is range in Dom. Dom is not just like muscle bound, you know, muscle head. He's not that guy at all. Dom yeah. is a man of honor. Dom is a man of love. Dom is, you know what I mean? No franchise has that to offer other than the fact on this scale, other than right. the Fast and the Furious franchise right now. And the fans of it, even the ones who don't understand that, have been so loyal despite how much bullshit that they take for liking this franchise. You know what I mean? And now they've made the first one where everything that fans have been like ignoring and defending is they, they've almost invalidated it with a movie that yeah. is not well thought out, with a movie that does not honor the core values of the franchise. With a, you know what I mean? And now we look like assholes. <laughs> and now, <laughs> right. No, well, seriously, like, it, we really do. Like, we have to sit there and say, yeah, we know it's not good, but I just love this franchise. And they're like, well, they're all the same. It's like, no, they're not. They're right, really not. Right. You know? And I see, like, uh, somebody was pointing out, like, the Halloween trailer that just dropped, and everybody's like, oh, you know, like, I like Halloween just as much as you like Fast and Furious. We could blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but, like, what is Halloween offering? Right. You know what I mean? That's why I don't want to see Halloween kills, because mm-hmm. I don't like what they have to offer. Sure. I love what Fast and Furious has to offer, and I'm talking beyond the, the scope of the screen. Mm-hmm. I can watch Fast and Furious 8 at my house and love it. Nine, yeah. I can't do that with. I just can't. <laughs> I mean, you'll see. I mean, you liked it better the second time. So, I mean, it might possibly... There's a lot bad about this movie, but I don't know that it's that bad that we won't maybe look back on it if they kind of course correct a little bit with the next one or two. But like Rocky Three, it's like there's nothing of value in this one. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, especially it, like, all all the all the backstory and flashback stuff. None of that adds at all. And we kind of talked about that in Messenger before we started this podcast. Yeah. But uh, yeah, none of that adds to the story. It's just there. And it confused it. me at first when they like yeah. I was like, "Who's this kid supposed to be?" And then when they said Dom, I was like, "Where?" Like <laughs> right. I, you know what I mean? I was, I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then like Jacob, they don't even get that right. Jacob is a foot shorter than Dom. In yeah. the flashbacks. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was, that was very uh, glaring issue there. When I saw Army of the Dead a couple weeks ago, um, 
gosh, closer to a couple months ago, um, I thought to myself, why the fuck didn't they cast Batista as his brother? Right. And then a week later, I read an article that they did want to and that he turned it down because he was doing a Gears of War thing or something like that. Mm. And I'm like, well, then you just got to wait. Yeah. Like, you got to wait it out. Because, like, not only is Batista more of the type of actor you need for this kind of movie, not only does he look more like Dom, Batista is an incredible actor, actually. Not that Mm. Army of the Dead would, would tell you that because it's so bad. Um, right. and gives him nothing to do, but he's he's an actor with, and he's inspector. Um, he's an actor with soul, which is why yeah. he's so bad in Blade Runner twenty forty nine because it's like you can't have him play a robot. He has soul in his eyes. Sorry, sure. It's yeah. like let me get Bill Murray to play a robot. Doesn't work. <laughs> I just compared Batista to Bill Murray. That, that, yeah, that's a place, <sighs> I think. <laughs> uh, won't be the last. Well, speak, speaking of John Cena's character, uh, just one quick little thing, and then we'll uh, we'll get to our rankings here. Uh, my buddy Josh Bell, who's on the show a lot, brought up uh, John Cena's character and the German guy. Definitely a couple, right? Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, I mean they yeah. have to be. They're just yeah. a bickering couple the whole time. They wear the same shoes. I noticed in one scene. <laughs> did, They're wearing I the did, same. There you go. I didn't yeah. notice that part. It was right before the worst part of the movie, which is the Cardi B cameo. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I just, I, dude, the first time I saw the movie, I, in that scene where they're in the embassy, I, I had the thought, much like we were saying a second ago, for the first time, like, I can't stand this, but like maybe one day after the wound is healed of it being a not good entry, I can like learn to love it in some sure. way, despite yeah. it. And as soon as I completed that thought in my head, she popped up. And worse than she popped up, they gave her dialogue. (laughs) And I was like, did you learn nothing from your Iggy Azalea cameo five years ago? (laughs) Like, did you learn nothing, you fools? Um, (laughs) They can't help themselves. The only benefit to John Cena being in this movie is that we have yet another bridge in the Fast and Furious Transformers gap. We had Tyrese... And now we got John Cena. That 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 gap is getting is getting you know closer and closer here. And like, I'm in. Like, if they yeah. give me a, a crossover, I know it sounds silly, but I'm like, dude, if I saw a poster where Dom is sitting on Optimus Prime's shoulder, I would live in a movie theater for two months because I wouldn't be able to leave because I'd just keep watching that movie. Now, you know do I mean? you prefer you prefer a Transformers crossover over a Jurassic World one? I'm assuming. What are you talking about? <laughs> good answer well i i'm very confused by that but i i i will say that the 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 second time i saw it other than the cardi b cameo the next worst thing about f9 was the five minute imax sneak peek of the new jurassic world movie which i did not get to see i i uh, went to it in dolby but uh my buddy turned to me at the end of it and he goes dude that was so bad and the cgi was so shitty i half expected for suddenly there to be a cell phone ringing and it turned out to be one of those don't talk or text during the movie ads (laughs) like it's really bad um i will say i can't remember if i've said this on the show before but i am fighting if justin lynn is going to be taking notes from fans take one from me bud Mm. and have the next one be called Past and the Furious. Oh, and it's time yeah. travel. <laughs> like, well, th- that's actually. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. My favorite part of this movie is Vin Diesel walking through his memories. Um, mm-hmm. that 
That is the mm-hmm. best part. So yeah. there you go. There, there's your setup for your Fast and Furious. Well, movie. dude, I'm just saying it worked for X Men. Yeah, like that's that's the best X Men movie is Days of Future Past, uh-huh. and they retconned every mistake that they had made, like mm-hmm. in a way that earned it. Yeah, which never happens. Like they, I. I saw it with my own eyes, David. When when Cyclops reappeared as James Marsden at the end, the audience cheered. Right, and I was right. like, "You liars!" I was there ten years ago when you were happy he died. I wasn't because I like Cyclops. But I was like, "They earned it, dude. Go back, unmake Jacob, and like, you know, whatever you need to do, like, go fuck it, like, time travel. It's cool. Yeah, you know." Do it. People are coming around on Back to the Future 2 these days, you know, like, and it would be the same kind of thing. Are they, Joe? Sure, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people now who talk about that that one's underrated. I mean, that's the only one that I like, personally. But, well, what is the the Avengers? The Avengers went through time and everybody said it was great. They did. Yeah. They sure did. It was better than the last one. Better than Infinity War. Yeah, time travel. But please, if you do the time travel, please, de-age them. I can't believe I'm saying that. But like, DH isn't them. it weird to say that? But that's exactly the thought I had. I was like, I, this does not work. I mean, Vin Diesel is too damn like he's him. Like you can't get another right. actor to do that. Right. Like, well, the thing is, is, if you get an actor to do it, you have to get an actor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because like the trick to Dom, like we were saying earlier, is that he's not a meathead or anything. Dom has a soul and you have to channel the, you know who, who I'm thinking of is righteous gemstones. The flashback episode of righteous gemstones. When they had that kid playing young Danny McBride. Oh, he was so brilliant. Good. He so was good. brilliant because he wasn't being young Danny McBride. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he, he was playing that character yeah. and he nailed it. And, mm-hmm. and this kid, like, not only does he not look a drip like Vin Diesel, but he doesn't seem like Dom. Yeah. He doesn't even seem like a Dom in the making. No. You know what I mean? He, and, and it's whatever. Let's move on to Sorry. our <laughs> rankings. Well, uh, what did you... Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Joe, let's start with you. Uh, I, I guess let's just... Um, let, let's have you just do your rankings and then I'll do mine, but we'll just kind of talk about it a little bit. I think a back and forth is Sounds uh, great. a yeah. little too much. So yeah, I let's agree. have you do your full ranking and then I'll do mine. And if there's one thing about me, I'm too much. Yes. Call me heat yes, miser. yes. So from bottom to top. Yes. Um, we're not counting Hobbs and Shaw. Just get it. It's the bottom off. for both of us. So. I mean, it's not even, it's not even in the league. Yeah. Like, get out of here. It's, um, it's minor league. Um, you got nine. And then next I would put seven. The next I would put three, but with an asterisk, only because it has Sonny Chiba in it. Um, the next I would do five. Okay. And then I would do four. Mm-hmm. Then I would do two. Okay. Then six. And then this, this is hard because it's like flip a coin on any given day and I might change my mind, but I'm going to today, just mm-hmm. today... I'm going to say my second favorite is the first, okay. and my favorite is the eighth. Wow. Okay. I'm just going to say that today. But yeah, so, so bottom to top, you've got nine, seven, three, five, four, two, six, one, eight. All right. That's, that's an interesting rating. I mean, I, I think having eight at the top is, is very, uh, you know, that's controversial a little bit. A lot of people do not like that movie, but... That's Joe Black. It's on because, the show. well, to me, 
doing something like eight is the hardest kind of movie you can make. Sure. Like that's the hardest movie to do. Yeah. Um, and one is the easiest movie to do. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest to fuck up, but it's the easiest movie to do. And yeah. they did it perfectly. You know yeah. what I mean? But, but eight, that's like damn near impossible to pull off to the level that they pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? All right. Well, uh, I, I have to have a little caveat here that I did not rewatch two and three recently. So since the theater. So that mm. makes it a little a little tough to fit them in the ranking here, and they end up towards the bottom because I got to admit, I am one of those people who, you know, I, I, of course, watched the first one in the theaters. I thought it was pretty good. You know, I liked it at the time. Went, saw the second one, did not really like it at the time. Saw the third one, and I was like, okay, I'm done with the series. And mm. then I... I came back around at seven is when I finally seven. Yeah, seven is when I was like, "Oh, I'm in. I'm. I finally get this this series and why some people like these movies." Went back, loved five, loved six, loved eight. Once that came out, yeah, I I, I, I mean, that's almost as controversial as me saying eight is my favorite. Seven I guess is so. The one that got me back. I guess so. So wow. I, I have to put two and three towards the bottom, but with rewatches, maybe they'd raise up a little bit. But because they were part of me kind of, you know, pushing this series to the side, they belong on the bottom for me. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, uh, from seven on up, we've got F9. Sixth place is Fast and Furious, the fourth one. The Fast and Furious, the original, uh, number five, which is great, but is kind of just, it is what it is. And I like this series for the -the over-the-topness, you know, Mm -hmm. so I've got to have the other ones above it. Six, eight, seven, five as those top four. So Wow, five at number one. Six, eight, seven, five. Five, you know, and I think I probably would not be alone in putting five at the top. I think that that is a very popular pick. Uh, yeah. but in just rewatching these movies recently, I, I went to most of them at the fast, or what do they call it? Fast Fridays or whatever the uh, right, right. Friday screenings. It is so damn fun. Um, yeah. especially in the theater. And I, I have to, I have to go with the flow and keep that as my number one. My only problem with five is that I don't really like heist movies just in general. Sure. And I don't like that. There are no personal stakes in five. Really. That makes sense. Like, like it's, it's, you know, it, it, like I love, I love the interpersonal element of like Letty in six. Mm. You know what I mean? Of like Elena and Dom's son in eight. Of you know, I even like uh, Shaw as the catalyst for seven. Like I, I, that kind of stuff is what I, yeah, what I, you know, uh, cling to. One though is really fascinating because I think that one, there are some movies that are like very of their time. Yeah. And then there are certain movies that define their time. Sure. Like like honestly like and if we're talking musically like Prince for example. There's 80s artists and then there's Prince. Sure. Prince defined the 80s. Yeah. You know and but he is pure 80s. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But Fast and the Furious that was the summer blockbuster of that era. Sure. That is that is the PG-13 summer action movie that is definitive yeah of what it was like in that five-year little window there yeah you know much like jackass is definitive of the comedy of the time much you know what i mean yeah yeah and so 
I think that like, again, it's so high on my list a, because I was of the time for that movie, you know, I was 14 when that came out. Yeah. But when I look back on it now, it means so much to me that I can look back at a movie that I loved so much at 14 and not feel any kind of shame, resentment, (laughs) embarrassment, or, and in fact, knowing that as a fucking 33 year old adult, if I saw it for the first time, I'd go, that's a damn good movie. Sure. <laughs> like, sure. you know, this stupid little PG-13 racer movie is, you know, it's excellent. Yeah. No, so, I, so, I absolutely love my top five. I, yeah. All five of those movies are just fantastic for, for their own reasons. And by the way, one other thing about five is uh, I, I think that the that whole ending, you know, scene with, with the, uh, the safe um, mm-hmm. is probably the single best set piece in the series as far as I'm concerned. That's an interesting question. I didn't think of that going into this. I normally try to like anticipate curveballs that you'll throw. Okay. Uh, like what is the best set piece in all of I mean like honestly, I know that I keep going back to it, but like the the finale of 8 with that fucking it, submarine. That's awesome. It's awesome. It's so so good. When, and when like they, when, every, they, when they all block the fire. At the, yeah, at the I mean incredible. But I buy it. Yeah, I buy it. Like yeah, that that's the that's the whole thematic content of the franchise coming together in one moment. And, but like, it almost feels like cheating saying that one because there's, you've got like the submarine simultaneously with the airplane, but the airplane, what happens there fits in with the submarine fits in with, you know what I mean? It's such a phenomenally orchestrated F Gary gray, dude. He is so underrated. Like he's good. Like I went back and watched Friday for the first time in a decade and Ooh. man, what an incredible movie. It's amateur as hell, but like has such like intelligence behind it and such like it's so f- believable. It's so, yeah. so real, you know? It's got a point and, of view. Right. And set it off. Set it off is another one that like somehow sure. the world just completely forgot about that movie. And like everyone's like, Widows was, you know, the best. I'm like, yeah, okay. I saw that movie 15 <laughs> years ago. It was called Set It Off, and it was better in every way. I said the same oh, thing though when sure. I saw Heat for the first time five years ago. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been telling me my whole life, Heat, Heat, Heat. And I saw Heat and I was like, okay. You know what Heat doesn't have? Lesbian Queen Latifah. Like, <laughs> Set It Off, that's a movie. Maybe Lesbian Queen Latifah would be a good addition to uh, the Fast and Furious series. Dude. <sighs> That's, dude, Taxi. I mean, have you seen it? It's great. Like, it's like we know that she can be believable behind the wheel. We know that she could stand up to, like, all, dude, you've just, you've just saved the franchise. Between yes. your idea of Queen Latifah and mine of Past and the Furious. Yes. Like, holy shit. Yeah. I. I feel like we're re-energized right now. That's why this is your show, man. That's why this is your show. Like, like that's holy cannoli. Oh boy. Well, Joe, uh, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Oh yeah, there is actually. I just recently saw. Um, it's on HBO Max. It's one of those movies that's been staring me in the face. Um, the Paul Bearer. Um, Have I seen that with David Schwimmer? Um, yeah, written and directed by Matt Reeves. It was the last movie he made for over a decade before coming back with Cloverfield. Um, mm-hmm. It is billed as a rom-com between David Schwimmer and Gwyneth Paltrow. 
and it could not be further from the truth. The premise for the film is David Schwimmer is an architect or an aspiring architect out of college about a year, still lives with his mom, looking for work, life going nowhere. And he gets a phone call from some random woman saying that his childhood best friend committed suicide. And David Schwimmer has no idea who she's talking about. But he feels so bad for her that he goes along with it. Right? Because he feels so bad for this woman. And he ends up getting roped into being the pallbearer at this guy's funeral. Mm -hmm. Now, they sell that as like the premise. But really, that's the setup. Because the funeral takes place 25 minutes into the movie. The movie is actually a coming-of-age film. And is actually about him and the mother, played by Barbara Hershey. Um, Okay. And it's more the graduate than than anything else. It's it's a very gotcha. It's a it's it's not dark. It's kind of a melancholy. It's actually you would really love it uh, with your Charlie okay. Kaufman affection. Yeah, but <laughs> sure, you might not like it because it doesn't end shittily like all of his movies. Um, <laughs> but like, like it is such a that was I was just kidding, kind of. Uh, yeah. It was, um, but like it. I meant shittily in sadness, not quality. Um, yes, but it, yes, it, yes. it is full of such rich performances. One thing that most movies are missing these days is that like, even your smallest character needs to have a rich performance, even if it's the janitor in the background. Everyone, mm-hmm. Michael Rappaport pops up in this movie. Tony Collette pops up in this movie. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's so... Carol Kane. Carol Kane, she plays his mom, and she's got 10 lines, and they're brilliant. And Gwyneth wow. Paltrow, who I've always defended, I'm one of those people that thinks the right movie won Best Picture in 98, you know, like mm-hmm. Shakespeare in Love, like that was better yeah. than Saving Private Ryan, fight me. This movie, it's really, really wonderful. Awesome. I, yeah. I feel like I watched it back when it first came out, and I do not remember it. Maybe I will, uh, maybe I'll have to check it out sometime soon. Another movie you recently recommended on another episode was uh, Fool's Gold. Which I did just recently watch on your recommendation. What a what a weird movie, but it's uh, a hoot. Yeah, yeah, it's a hoot. How about that? I mean, I mean, like, I mean, there's two different sides of me, David. That's two different yes. sides of me. But like, oh, you know, I get, I, I understand. It, it's it. all I, I get what you're doing. That'd be like if I recommended Good Burger one month, and then you know, the next month I I, I recommend Goddard's Made in USA. Sure, sure. I also do need to throw in because John Singleton Shaft. His his Shaft remake. Oh, you've been on a Shaft like tear lately, huh? Just going through that movie, dude. I just keep watching it over and over again. And I mean, he did Too Fast, Too Furious. And in fact, when he died, a bunch of buddies and I, the night he died, my buddy works at a theater, and after hours, we just popped in and did a double feature of Shaft and Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. John Singleton as an action director, very underrated, very underrated. He did three great action movies in a row. You got Too Fast, Too Furious. Well, Shaft. Too Fast, Too Furious, and Four Brothers. And um, Oh, yeah, I like that movie a lot. Yeah, yeah, they're just so rich. Dude, go back and watch Too Fast, Too Furious. It, I'm going is, to, yeah. Yeah, its spirit is so pure. And there's no, there's little subtle things about his movies that no other movie does. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. his camera work and Shaft, it seems normal, but it's really fucking not. You know what I mean? Mm. Same thing with Too Fast, Too Furious. Like, it seems like all the others, but when you watch it, you're, no other movie feels like Too Fast, Too Furious. And sure. Yeah. So, yes, my two are The Paul Bear and Shaft, the 2000. 2000- <laughs> <laughs> 
But what about you? Like, I mean, other than the fact that you're recommending Fool's Gold to everybody, you throw out a recommendation. Yeah, right? I just want to hear what you're what watching. What am I watching? Oh, man. Um, you know what I just watched? I wonder your take on this. Uh, I just watched Three Amigos for a guest appearance <laughs> on another podcast. Mm-hmm. You're a big fan of that one, Joe? Every movie I do, I give a special thanks to John Landis. There you go. Steve Martin, <laughs> Steve Martin is my favorite writer of all time. I love The Three yeah. Amigos. Yeah, yeah it's, no, it was it's, fun. That's something I hadn't watched in decades, like at least 20 years. And it was fun revisiting that. What a movie. It's And, and so funny because that movie is John Landis purely on autopilot. And it's right. a classic. He yeah. actually told me once uh, that that's his favorite script or that that's his favorite movie of his that he's ever made is Three wow. Amigos. He that's said he's, he also in the same conversation told me that his favorite script he ever got to direct was The Stupids, which <laughs> I can agree with that. I, uh, my, second, okay. my first movie I made out of film school, every morning before we started shooting, I made the whole cast and crew sit down and watch eight minutes of The Stupids. Um, <laughs> and by the end, you know, we finish it. It's, I love yeah. that movie. But yeah, Three Amigos <laughs> is wonderful. It's a sweater. It's, <laughs> it's so awesome. So great. Well, uh, Joe, why don't you uh, tell people about you and your filmmaking and what you got going on? Oh, I, I'm finally wrapping up my newest film, Natasha Hall, my 14th feature. Some, by some I would say all who have seen it would call it my best. Um, still not my favorite yet, but maybe it will be my favorite. Still low town for anybody out there. Um, but Natasha Hall, it's um, premiering here in LA. We're doing a screening of it on July 29th. We're going to have like tickets available for it. And I'm hoping to screen it in uh, Vegas and in uh, Denver and in New Orleans and Jacksonville, Florida right now. Like that's, I'm just going to be touring with that for the rest of the year. It's a, a, a female detective movie set in 1990. It's kind of like an inherent vice Jackie Brown mishmash. Um, it features some brilliant voice work by none other than uh, David Rosen. That's right. Who's, who uh, basically shares a scene with uh, people like Dwayne Whitaker um from pulp fiction fame and stuff like that so it's it was it was we made it during the pandemic it's it's a very it was a tough shoot it's a weird movie but it it seems to really be getting through to people because i i I screen my movies to see you know what people are to gauge but not like to everybody just like a core group and um, sure we've really got something on our hands here and and i'm really excited to start showing it to people and you can find all of my other films other than natasha hall on my website, which is bluemeanspregnantfilms.com. All of my films, my features, my shorts, documentaries on the making of my films, it's all on there for free. You can just stream it right there on the website. And uh, I'll keep everyone posted on if we screen Natasha Hall in their hometown. Awesome. Well, Joe, as always, I always have fun when you're on the show. So thank you for joining me. And uh, I'm very curious to see what the next thing we cover will be. But uh, hopefully we'll get you back again sometime soon. Yeah, it sounds great. Hopefully it'll have a budget of less than, you know, $200 million. That'll be... That, that sounds like a uh, good plan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jason. Hey, Al. That was very aggressive of you. Yeah, people keep asking me, what is our podcast? What is Food and Loathing? Do you know? We have a podcast. I know that much. And it's about food. And there's also going to be some loathing. Yeah, the food and the loathing. I mean, come on, it's a reference to the great Hunter S. Thompson, man, and there's nobody who knew how to explore Las Vegas better than Hunter S. Thompson. So even though we are two food journalists, it's really important to me that we dig deep into this city. We not only go into the kitchens and the dining rooms and the bars and the the cocktail lounges, but we also
also hit the strip clubs and then we hit the dispensaries and we do the dive bars and the places that sell puke insurance. So I want us to loathe in the best possible way on this city that I love. We're going to go to the the restaurants that make this scene tick. We're going to talk to the chefs, the food personalities, all the movers and shakers in Vegas. And we're going to try to find what's going on on the underground scene. So that is Food and Loathing. So subscribe to Food and Loathing wherever you get your podcasts and taste Las Vegas with us. All right. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation about F9 with our guest, Joe Black. Thanks to Joe for joining me on that one. It was so much fun to get to talk about the Fast and Furious movies. It was so much fun uh, getting to reconnect with these movies over the last few weeks. If you follow me over on Letterboxd, which I never... I never plug my letterbox, but you should follow me on Letterboxd. Uh, my my account's actually by David Rosen because it's a personal account. Uh, so check that out. But um, yeah, I've been catching up on all these Fast and Furious movies. Part of the whole Fast Fridays thing that they were doing, I was going to the theater for most of them, uh, and some of them I watched at home. But uh, yeah, it was just so much fun getting reconnected with these movies. They're just, they're a blast. I love them so much. Um, One thing we were talking about after we finished recording, uh, after we hit stop, so it wasn't part of the main conversation, but I just wanted to, uh, you know, talk about it for a second here. Ludacris, is there another actor any of you can think of that has been in such huge movies, but just one series. It's like insane. He hasn't been in anything else, just the biggest franchise ever, like other than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's absolutely crazy, uh, this weird acting career he has had. Obviously, he's got his music career too, but it's almost like he's just making these billion-dollar movies, and then his agent calls him and is like, you know, hey, I got this for you. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm Fast and Furious. That's good enough for me. I don't know. Anyway, just a thought. If anybody could think of anybody else in that kind of position other than Ludacris, uh, let me know. I'd, I'd be curious to know who you could think of. But uh, yeah, that does it for today's episode on F9. As always, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together. We have so many episodes coming your way. Uh, we've got one coming up on Censor. We've got our July uh trailer roundup we also have a top 10 of the year so far special episode i always do that with josh bell from awesome movie year that is coming up uh next week and um of course lots of other movies to cover so there's a lot of podcasts coming your way so make sure you're subscribed you can also follow us on social media at piecing pod join in the conversation over in our facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces and don't forget we also have a patreon the produced by david rosen patreon where i combine content from piecing it together from awesome movie year which i produce uh and also from my music career lots of great content over there so check it out it's patreon.com slash by David Rosen combines all of the stuff that I work on into one big awesome Patreon with lots of great content so check it out so that does it for today let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do and uh, I was trying to think of a good like upbeat track for a Fast and Furious type movie that I could play but actually I was thinking about uh, there's always a lot of rap songs on these soundtracks it's, kind of whatever the moment is in hip-hop is kind of what soundtracks these movies always so i figured i would uh dig into the album success stories from the rapper skydro who i produced uh almost like 10 years ago at this point but uh every once in a while i'll throw one of his songs into the, the end of these uh episodes and i figured the track crash and burn would fit in with fast and furious so i may have played this on the show before but 
it's a good track. I like this song a lot. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. This is Crash and Burn from Skydro's album Success Stories, which is available on iTunes and Spotify and all those places. So go check out the rest of the album if you like the song. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming out real soon. Tables, them a turn. West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.